0: Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Roundtable. Hope you guys are doing well. What's up, Brevin? What's going on? Not much, not much. Just watching it downpour at least. Well, actually, it looks like it's getting ready to stop now.
0: No, it's just going to be really humid now. Welcome to Michigan.
1: When am I moving out of Michigan again? Uh, are you? The great question. I think it's a great
0: segue into kind of our first question and introducing uh, someone, not necessarily to the show, but so people know who we're talking about when we're talking about Chris. Yeah, so um, for those who don't know, and
1: all of my listeners, um, if you listen to the podcast episode that went out like a week and a half ago or so, or two weeks ago, I guess now, um, I have merged my business Chase and health with Conquer Fitness and Nutrition, uh, Chris Bilhan, and it's it's been a great move. I'm really excited for it. But um, Chris and all the rest of the team are actually all um, local here to Michigan, about an hour away from me. I got to meet up with them all for uh, lunch yesterday, or not lunch, but coffee, and it was great.
0: Who's taking the bet that Chase stays in Michigan, or that he leaves? <sighs> like honestly, like I send in the DMs. And let's let's start putting money on this. <laughs>
1: I cuz here's here's the the issue. It's like I I would love to stay. I just hate the snow, man.
0: I've said that every year for 26 years. And here I know I am. we
1: were going to be moving to like Austin last year and then, Yeah, here I am in Michigan you know, still. And and here I am you stuck with you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i just just kidding. But no, like We all make mistakes. <laughs> hopefully
1: soon. I, I don't know. I We'll see how it's, if, if I get used to summer and if it, if it. I me will to stay.
0: say that Michigan summer is probably compared to a lot of the other the rest of the country is pretty unrivaled, just because of all the things there are to do as far as like outdoors. You yeah. can go Northern Michigan and there's hikes and forests and cool stuff. You can go pretty much any direction and hit a lake. It's pretty cool. I know you're a water guy. Yeah, I do, I do enjoy,
1: I do enjoy getting on the water, um, I don't know, we'll see, it, it's, it's still up for debate.
0: Yeah, but I'm I, taking, I'm taking the over, he's staying.
1: <laughs> we shall see, to be continued, but anyways, like you said, um, we wanted to give that quick little introduction of who Chris is, and if you're um, listening,
0: Chris, what's up, I haven't met you yet, but you sound pretty cool.
1: <laughs> I told you, we have to make that change, well, next time he's in town, or, uh, where I go up, you have to join us, um. But going into the first question is actually from one of his clients. Um, Angelique B, shout out Angelique. Hello. Uh, she said, I'm working with Chris, currently in a fat loss phase since January 1st. Currently in the fifth week of an elimination diet, I just have this stubborn layer of belly fat. I'm eating 1,500 calories, 113 grams of protein. I'm almost always over. Hell yeah. Fi- yeah, I know exactly. All right. That's number one. Love that. Uh, 50 grams of fat, 150 carbs. My genetic testing revealed that I was likely, I likely processed carbs well, so we adjusted, and I lost about ten pounds since starting the elimination diet. It's not bloat; it's fat. All right, so I think there's a couple things I know I wanted to preface this question with before we kind of dive into it because I want to make sure we know exactly. And Angelique definitely message one of us if if we're misunderstanding the question a little bit. But what I'm getting out of this is the main question is how do I get rid of the belly
0: fat? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm taking from this as well.
1: Yeah. And so like and for those who don't know what an elimination diet is, I do think it's important for us to mention that because I'm sure there's somebody listening right now that also is like, what is
0: an like, elimination diet? Hell yeah, diet? I want to do an elimination diet and lose 10 pounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> Doesn't always work that way.
1: Um, but basically, elimination diet is you're going to eliminate certain foods that are most commonly known for causing some um, that people have food sensitivities, to, is like gluten, dairy.
0: Yeah. People um, go on on like a high FODMAP or a low FODMAP diet because high FODMAP foods create a lot of extra gas in the stomach and can cause bloating or um, just issues with those kinds of foods. So an elimination diet it can kind of help work through some of those GI issues to yeah. figure out what your real triggers are.
1: Yeah, And then, once you eliminate those things for a period of time, then you start to solely introduce things one at a time to see if you react to any of those. Exactly. Um, so, so just want to preface that with that. As far as the belly fat thing, I'll, I'll kind of pivot here to you, Brevin. Like, if somebody wants to lose belly fat, regardless of like elimination diet or not, how can they go about that?
0: Um, talk to your parents, see what your genetics are. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of it does come down to genetics on where you're going to lose body fat first. Some people have quote unquote, stubborn body fat in other areas. Um, Very commonly stubborn belly fat or stubborn body fat happens in the abdominal region. Um, But it really comes down to just a consistent caloric deficit and overall losing body fat. Once you lose that body fat, um, it will come from those more stubborn areas. But there's not a way we can necessarily target that. That might just be where you lose fat last.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, it's frustrating, right? I mean, there's a lot of times we all have the areas where we're like, man, I just want to lose this or lose yeah. that.
0: Some people win the genetic lottery and some people lose.
1: <laughs> that is very true. Um, but time and patience, calorie deficit, eventually it'll come down and you'll, you'll lose that. Um, now, I, I will kind of preface this and say, if that is like one of the last areas you lose body fat, it's going to eventually come down to that question of like, is it worth it continuing the, de- the deficit or not? Yeah, because
0: you might have to dig a little bit deeper than you necessarily thought you would to get past that point um just either calories in or calories out adjusting one of those pieces or both of those pieces um to dig just a little bit deeper in that deficit to get over that hump
1: yeah um so i mean that that not, not really much to really dig in deep with that question although just you know like we said you can't spot reduce um it's just like you know. People say, you know, they want to get abs, or so so they start doing doing
0: two hundred crunches a day. Exactly.
1: Or, you know, I've heard, you know, people. I've had women come to me and say, "Oh, I want to get rid of these bat wings." That's that's a very common (laughs) one. And so, like, they they think they need to do all these arm workouts. And I'm like, great, we can work on building muscle there, but eventually, it's going to come down to we have to lose the body fat in that area. Yeah.
0: I think it's it's playing both of those, like, to get that quote unquote toned look, Mm -hmm. you have to have enough muscle mass. And I think that's where a lot of people get wrong. Is they're like, oh, if I just lose weight, I'll look toned like, you're only going to look toned if you have enough muscle mass after you lose the body fat.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. But
0: one thing really doesn't work for this answer, but one thing I want to throw in there is you will look more toned again, air quotes, toned at higher body fat percentages with higher muscle mass. Yeah. Building muscle is the number one, most underrated way to change your physique. Mic drop. (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: exactly. And, and last little thing I wanted to say guys about for, um, Oh, actually two things. One for any of those listening, the numbers that we re- re- read out for her macros and calories, those are hers,
0: not anyone else's very specific to the individual.
1: And secondly, if you are like, I want to try an elimination diet, please reach out to somebody. And work through it
0: correctly because there are many ways you can screw it up. An elimination diet is not another fad diet. It is a technique to work through gut issues and to figure out which foods are your triggers. Yes. Awesome. Question number two, Amy H., thank you for offering this. Of course. And we're glad Happy we to. can help. If y'all could talk. Are you from the South? Um, I love it. I, y'all <laughs> that's a, that's is very in <laughs> my language. It, it feels is... so foreign for me to say y'all. Oh, I drop y'all all the time. What's <laughs> up, y'all? <laughs> if y'all could talk more about the benefits of a diet break a bit, how often they should occur, how long the diet break should last, a diet break is, is a diet break just going back up to maintenance or adding a couple hundred calories, benefits to the body, how it benefits weight loss, et cetera.
1: So we have a lot of questions there and
0: I, I love these, but yes, we're going to break these down and answer them one by one. Yes. So let's talk about, let's just talk about diet breaks in general. What are they? Why are they used?
1: Yeah. So a diet break really, I, so I look at it this way and I actually made a post about this, not like I think it was last week or so. Um, basically at some point when you're in a deficit, you're going to start to either have some metabolic adaptation when your body starts to adjust to where you're currently at or more than likely, you will start having lack in adherence of your deficit, which just means you're having a harder time sticking to
0: it. And, and I do want to note, I, I love that, I do want to note that the metabolic adaptation is completely normal, and it can make yes. adherence harder because it can affect your RMR, your resting metabolic rate, to a significant degree more than we would think based off the amount of body fat you've lost, but it can also increase your hunger, hunger signals. Yes. So it can make it harder to stay consistent.
1: Yes, exactly. And so at that point, we have to kind of decide like where's the next best place to go. And it's either going to maintenance for, and when I say going to maintenance, I mean like we're actually taking a maintenance phase, which should be roughly around the at least amount of time we were in a deficit for. And now again, very unique. It's a big, it depends thing, but a good rule of thumb is as long as you're in a deficit, you should be at maintenance. Um, or we have the other option, which is the diet break. And this is normally, it can either be a couple of days, maybe a week. Or maybe, I mean, I've even seen like two weeks, three weeks, even, um, it just kind of, again, another, it depends thing. Um, but it's going to be time when you take your time at maintenance calories. Um, and we'll kind of dive more into this as we kind of go along through it. But basically this is mostly for psychological benefit rather than physical benefits of like actually getting your metabolism back.
0: Yeah. And, Diet breaks were a huge thing just even a couple years ago where people were like, oh my gosh, you take a diet break, your metabolism is going to skyrocket, all this kind of stuff. And like now the research doesn't necessarily show that. It doesn't really support that. Um, But like you said, diet breaks can be beneficial from a mental standpoint. And when we talk, I think we talked about this on the last podcast, like Having knowledge and coaching are two very different things. Having knowledge is knowing what the studies say and that diet breaks maybe aren't that beneficial. But coaching individuals, we know that taking that psychological break can allow you to stay more consistent longer, which means you're going to get more out of that deficit. Um, And and like you said, a lot of times, um, ideally, if you're going to run a diet break, um, they're typically run for three days consecutive, a week, or like a month. are are where you're generally going to see those happen again very very individual Um, so talk to someone before you go into one so you have a better idea what it means for you Um, and generally they're going to be back up to maintenance mostly through carbohydrates because carbs have a very positive correlation with increasing gremlin which has a big cascade of effects on hormones down the road um, which can affect fat loss so it helps increase or uh, increase your gremlin levels in your body, which play a massive role in your ability to actually lose weight long term.
1: Yes, and and as far as like kind of diving into the next one, of how often they should occur, um, and we already talked about like how how long the diet breaks should last. As far as like how often they should occur. That's really gonna come down to the individual as well. Like, it could be. I know some people who never take a diet break during their deficit. Some people might take two or three. It also depends on like how long is your deficit. If you're if you're gonna be in a deficit for you know four or five months, you know a little bit longer for some of those. You know, and some people are able to be in a deficit that long because they have a lot more body fat to lose. If that's the case, then maybe we take one a little more often. If that helps you keep your adherence up, fantastic. Um, and I think another thing I want to throw in there really quick about that as well is a lot of times it can help you prolong your deficit a little bit longer. It might be a slower deficit, but you're gonna be a lot more adherent to it because you're gonna be able to stick with it and not burn out so, so, uh, so, so quickly.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I I think one way to look at it is, is being uh, reactive rather than proactive with it. Um, proactive means you're planning them out in advance where reactive means you're listening to your body, your biofeedback, sleep, hunger, recovery, energy, digestion, stress, performance in the gym, um, your ability to, to stay consistent with tracking or whatever method you're using, um, diet fatigue. Those are all things that like, Hey, When you're just, like, really tired, you're really not feeling it, your motivation's super, super low to, like, want to do anything, and you're like, I know I have more fat I want to lose, like, let's try a diet break. We can go into a diet break for three days, a week, even a month, and then assess after that, go back into the deficit, and if after that you're like, hey, you know what, this isn't worth it, cool, we can pull out of it then, no harm, Mm -hmm. no foul, Or you can be like, hey, you know what? I feel so much better. I have more energy again. I feel more motivated again, even though we don't rely on motivation. Um, And you're like, hey, you know what? I have that diet fatigue that I had is gone now. I can go for another two months in this deficit before I need anything again. Um, So it really comes down to like listening to your body, understanding where you're at, and then taking that rather than like, hey, after weeks five, nine and twelve we're gonna take diet breaks. Yes. I am gonna throw a little
1: caveat in that. Um, where an example where you should be a little bit proactive is if you've ever found yourself going through a diet and you feel like you just keep trying to diet harder and harder and harder and harder. And then eventually you quote unquote fall off track and then you just kind of say, well, F it all, and then I'm just gonna just eat whatever I want, that's where we need to be a little proactive and say, hey, I notice this is coming. So before I react to like falling off the wagon, quote unquote, I'm actually going to choose to take a diet break right now as well.
0: And I think another good way to uh, another good example would be, hey, I have a vacation coming up, but I know I I want to diet. Um, I'm going to plan a diet break during that time so that I'm not sitting there tracking on the cruise ship. Um, And and that's where you can work your diet around your lifestyle and, and still make it work for you. Yeah. And
1: that's kind of like, honestly, what I'm doing, I mean, I'm, I've been in a deficit and, uh, I just made a random trip home for a couple of days and I, I pretty much took a diet to diet break those days. Um, and then I do have like, we have the trips coming up. I'm going to be going to Arizona for a week and think we're gonna be in colorado for a week
0: so like i'm gonna be in vegas before that so i know i'm not dying in yeah. <laughs> vegas
1: um i i definitely i i don't know i'll probably be i'm definitely gonna be conscious throughout my trips because it's two weeks yeah. um but then again i'm also not gonna be super restrictive because i don't know like personally to me like i'm like yeah of course i want to lose body fat and i want to improve my physique but like I'm also where I'm like,
0: I wanted to be able to enjoy this trip as well. well. And one caveat I want to throw in there for all of this is like, okay, if you were dieting for, let's say, um, 20 weeks, but during that time, you took three or four week-long diet breaks, well, the diet was only actually 16 weeks, yes. not 20 weeks. So yes, it took a little bit longer, but the time you were actually dieting was shorter still. So again, it can help you prolong your deficit and get more out of it. Because if you just went 16 weeks straight, by that 16th week, you're probably burnt out. But now you went another four weeks of going through this whole phase and probably got a lot more out of it because you were able to stay more consistent long-term. And I think that's really what this comes down to is it is a tool to allow you to drop diet fatigue and stay more consistent, and we know consistency is key.
1: Yes. Um, just kind of looking over Amy's questions again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um... So, yes, it is going back to the maintenance, um, and, like, in, I know Brevin Roy kind of covered a lot of that through carbs, um, but more so maintenance, not just adding just a couple hundred, hundred calories. Um, I mean, I guess you technically could take, like, a higher deficit if you wanted to, but, like, if you're going to take a diet break, you might as well just
0: put your mindset in diet break mode rather than being like in a partial deficit. And and one thing I want you to take into consideration as well is if you have been dieting for a while and you've lost some body fat, your maintenance is probably a little bit different than when you first started the diet. So I would jump a little bit lower than your original maintenance calories. Otherwise, you might be in a slight surplus. And you are going to more than likely see the scale go up after this week. If you Let's say you take a week-long diet break. You're almost always going to see the scale go up because you were – eating more carbs, so you're holding more water, you have more glycogen in your glycogen stores in your muscles and your liver, you've been eating more food, but um, one thing that can happen during this time is after that you can see um, what we call the whoosh effect, where Mm -hmm. the weight actually drops down a couple pounds, Um, so this can be beneficial if you've been in a plateau for a while, um, because uh, you're you're taking that time to essentially de-stress the body is the best way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome, and then benefits to our body. We talked about that more. It's more psychological.
0: I think we covered most of Benefit, it.
1: Benefit weight loss more just so adherence. Like, yeah. Again, like we, we already kind of covered that a little bit, but it's it's not going to help you lose more. It, it, it in the big picture. Directly, of things, it helps you lose more yes. weight.
0: Directly, it doesn't help you lose more weight.
1: Thank you. Yes, that's that's the wording I was looking for there.
0: Um, awesome. Question three. Michelle. Hey, Michelle.
1: What's said, up? I injured my wrist in December, going through physio, so physical therapy, for it now. By the end of physical therapy homework, my wrist and grip are exhausted and I'm totally done in desperate need for rest. Am I supposed to feel that done after a regular workout? Wondering if I need to try to put more effort into my workouts since I never feel as done as my wrist feels after a PT workout. My face is red, I'm sweating, so I know there is effort put in. But thoughts? I really like
0: this question. And while you're reading that off, it reminded me of a story I want to tell. I promise I'll keep it short. Um, He's lying. I had shoulder surgery back <laughs> in 2017 for a torn Labrum. That's why my bench sucks. Don't come at me. Just accept it. Excuses. It's my excuse that I'm going to ride until I die because my <laughs> bench is trash. Um, especially compared to my others. So that's a whole other conversation for another day. Um, but I had shoulder surgery back in 2017 and I went through six months of physical therapy after surgery. And I will tell you, those first couple weeks, probably two months of physical therapy were probably the hardest exercise I've ever done. That was so painful and uncomfortable and hard. And it sucked. Physical therapy is brutal <laughs> and they act so nice. And then they just <laughs> torment you. And now I, I will say my in-person clients say the same thing about me, except most of them don't accuse me of being too nice off the start. But again, another conversation another day. Um, so I think that when we look at this, we have to remember that physical therapy and training for physique goals, um, body composition goals are two separate entities and we have to view them as that. When we're training for rehab, you're doing probably at least 30 to 60 minutes of direct work to that specific muscle and that's all you're doing. Um, so that is going to be extremely taxing on that one area. And when you're training for... Um, body composition goals that's where we're yes we're training hard but we're also taking into account volume, intensity, frequency, recoverability, those things um because we're playing off that stress recovery adaptation cycle where that's not the goal of physical therapy.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think to kind of also I, I one thing I wanted to touch on was what what makes a good workout a good workout right because i think a lot of times people think oh it's the burn that i feel or oh it's my face turned red or i
0: sweat a lot or i'm knees feeling weak very... arms are heavy Getty on my sweater or whatever Eminem <laughs> said <laughs> oh please stick <state> the coaching
1: <laughs> um but we have to look at what is a good workout. And so this is like where we look at intensity, how close we're training to failure. I know we talked a lot about this in the last podcast
0: when we did the Q and a, we can talk about this all day long.
1: <laughs> I know this is right at Brevin's wheelhouse. Um, but I just want to say like, like, like Brevin can I add on what Brevin had mentioned. Like, yes, there, there are two different things. And so you're, you're probably feeling that way after that PT workout because you're challenging a part of your body that is injured. Right? I mean, like you're, you're actually working something that is causing you probably some discomfort and pain. And so that's going to add a lot more intensity to it versus if you're training like your legs that, you know, just a normal
0: workout. And I do want to add, you can almost always train harder. Yeah. that That is a, a preface that I want to make for this. 95% of people who are training for physique goals, yes, you can train harder. You do not know what your body is capable of inside of training for hypertrophy, specifically that is training for building muscle mass. You can almost always train harder. Um, I challenge anyone listening to this who has a goal of changing their physique to take a true set of some machine that they enjoy to true muscular failure. To where you literally—I don't care if it starts to burn, if it starts to hurt, keep going, keep going until you literally cannot move. That again, that is failure. You will almost always, in my experience, get five to ten extra reps based off where you're currently training. Most people don't train hard enough. Um, but in, in your question, I think that you you kind of have to take that that evaluation for yourself. What effort level are you giving? What are your specific goals? Even, um, I think that'll dictate a lot of how hard you should be training. But I think to answer your question before we tangent into something else is I wouldn't compare your physical therapy workouts to your strength training workouts. I think those are, are two different entities with two different end goals. So they're not comparable one-to-one.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really think there's a whole lot more to add to that. I mean, like, I feel like we, we pretty much covered that well, like it's two different things, view it as such rather than trying to compare it one to the other, um, And like, yes, like, and even like you, that part of your body is going to require different types of workouts, different types of intensity. Like you're probably not going to push things as hard with an injured, you know, arm versus the other arm where you might be able to push a little bit harder. Um, And again, I I really like what you said about the uh, pushing to failure, uh, because that's something that I don't think a lot of people do. And I love the story that you always tell, like when you work with your in-person training clients, where you have them. You just tell them that you know, get on and do you know, one more rep, one more rep, one more rep, one more rep, and you keep doing it until literally they fail. Like guys, when we say fail, we're not just saying like your mind's gonna tell you you're you're failing like really quick. Like actually keep pushing through the pain, like not pain like you're gonna injure yourself, but pain of like the the grind. It's gonna be a
0: burning sensation in the muscle. Um, I'll give an example here. My client that I used to work with in person, Lucas. Shout out, Lucas. Um. We were on the leg press one day, and we had set the safeties to where they need to be, so if you do fail for whatever reason, you're going to be safe in that machine. We loaded it up to what you normally do. His last set, I told him, okay, I want you to go until I say stop. We normally were doing between 8 and 12 reps. We got to rep 8, keep going. Got to rep 12, keep going. Got to rep 15, keep going. He's like, oh my gosh, it hurts, it burns. Keep going. Keep going. We got 25 reps. Wow. He was doing and telling me that he was hitting failure at around 12. He hit 25 reps. He never viewed working out the same again. He never viewed that pain the same again he finally had that gauge of what failure actually looks like. And one of my favorite parts about lifting and getting to that point is I truly believe, and you can fight me on this all day long. I truly believe that learning to push past your boundaries in the gym expands to other areas outside of your life, outside of the gym. Oh, absolutely! Um, once you learn to, you get rid of those self-limiting beliefs of, like, I can only do 12. This is hard. And you push past that and you show that you're capable of so much more. You're capable of more in every other area of your life. And that's my favorite part about lifting. That's why I love powerlifting because it's like that's the milestone I'm going for. I don't. That's going to be so hard to get to. And then you get there and you're like, oh, my God, I'm the baddest motherfucker alive. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah,
1: no, and, and and guys, even if like even if you're working at home, I would challenge you, you can still train a failure. Like, pick something that is still safe. You know, if you're doing like bicep curls with dumbbells, like the worst happens if you fail, you drop the dumbbells. Yes, Obviously, we don't want un-
0: you to fail on big barbell movements. Don't fail on a barbell squat or a barbell bench. Yes. unless <laughs> you have a spotter. Even then, dumbbells are safe to fail on, no matter what. Um, and if you are sh- concerned on that, hit one us up, and we'll teach you how to fail. I have perfected failing. <laughs> the gym is one of the times that failing means you did a fantastic job. Yes. Awesome. Well, I think that's, that's all the questions, but I, you know, we have a couple more minutes here. Speaking of powerlifting and failing, somebody's got a meet coming up. Well, I hope we're not talking about failing. <laughs> 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 uh, we do have a meet coming up on Saturday. I'm very excited for it. I'm hoping to put up some good numbers.
1: Yeah. Well, all right. So
0: this podcast is going to come out after
1: okay. the meet. So. What numbers are we predicting? He's gonna make me throw out some
0: predictions. I'm pretty Katie. sure
1: didn't you make me do this during our
0: when I had mine? I think I did. Yeah. So now um, I'm returning the favor. You're all welcome. right. Cool. That's fair. <laughs> uh, squat 551. I would love 556. Um, we'll see how I feel on meat day. My hip flexors have been bothering me a little bit. Um, but adrenaline's gonna push that away. Um, uh-huh. uh, meat day. Uh, I would love a 300 bench. Um, we'll see how the shoulder holds up. Um, I'm thinking probably realistically two ninety-two. Um again, we'll see how everything's feeling on meat day. Adrenaline is a wonderful thing. Yes, it is. You'll pay <laughs> yeah. for it afterwards, but it works yeah, fantastic right? on meat yeah, day. Yeah, just have that emotional dump of like, oh, I'm so <laughs> tired. And then we're going to a concert that night. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then deadlift, the almighty six hundred will fall. Let's go. Six oh one will fall.
1: That's exciting, man. Yeah,
0: and then afterwards, I'm going to – so for those of you who don't know, I'm competing in a federation called the USAPL, um, the United States uh, Powerlifting Association. Uh, no, that's USPA. United States powerlift. United States of America Powerlifting. Yeah, you, whatever. <laughs> uh, whatever. The USAPL. They're confusing. Yeah. Two different federations. One though. of them's the USPA. One of them's is the USAPL. Yes. Um, they need to switch these things up. Yes. Um, the USAPL, and we use a what's called a stiff bar through all three lifts. Um, The other federation that I competed in previously uses a deadlift bar so you can pull more weight because you can get more slack out of the bar. So afterwards, after the meet, like probably on Wednesday next week, I'm going to just go YOLO a 650-pound deadlift and see what happens on one of the deadlift bars. (laughs) So if you see that happen, yes, I was cheating. And it's, I'm okay with it. <laughs>
1: and he pulling sumo, so it's already Yeah, cheating. I'm
0: already cheating. I'm going to throw straps on, too, probably, and just, <laughs> just full send it, you know? We'll see.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, I, I'm really excited to,
0: and this will be,
1: like, you know, another meet as well that I can just kind of go chill at and yeah. um, get to observe. You know, I just had mine, and I don't
0: know. It's really exciting. I'm just, he just gets to carry my uh, my headphones and my water. And yell at you. and Yell at me it, and give me some back. smelling salts. yeah. The smelling salts, you know, Yeah, hopefully I don't cry on the platform. Who did that? <laughs> if you've ever seen someone hit smelling salts, you know exactly what we're talking about. Chase hit them so hard at his last meet that he just <laughs> tears running down his face coming off of it as he was coming off the bench. I was like, I hit that too hard. I was like, yeah, you did. <laughs>
1: So smelling salts, for those who don't know, is ammonia salts. Um, so basically it just it just heightens your senses to the absolute max. It opens up everything in your body, turns it on to 100%, so you have like ultimate focus. You don't need to
0: clarity. do this before a test or anything like that, though. Please don't. No. <laughs> don't be <laughs> no. sitting there in school popping open and be like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll be crying for sure. Yeah. No, I,
1: I definitely did. I got a little too excited and like put them a little too close to my nose. And yeah, I was crying the
0: entire bench but it's all right. Happy hopefully days. when you hear from us next time, next episode, you will hear that the meat went fantastic. Yes. We'll do a recap then. Yep. All right, guys have a good one. I kept it under 30 minutes this time proud of you see ya as always i want to thank you for listening to the unfuck your health podcast if you enjoy the show and find helpful, i love it if you would share it on your story so i can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives as always feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show thanks again for listening to the unfuck your health podcast